calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is of gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Take 15. I'm Rob Gowan, and joining me today is Dr. Stephen Cicchetti, Economic Advisor and Head of the Monetary and Economic Department at the Bank for International Settlements. Stephen, thank you for joining us. It's great to be here, Rob. So, talking about the global financial health, there's two elements, or two elements of many. There's the uh, banking sector health, and there's also the um, government health. And so, just to start things off, I'd love to get your thoughts on banks getting their capital uh, in better shape and the means in which they can do that? Well, I think, first of all, banks have, have in, in a lot of parts of the world, come a long way. Some of them didn't have problems to begin with, but even in the, the core countries where the crisis occurred, uh, there's, been a lot of, there's been a lot of progress. And I think that progress has been primarily through, uh, through what, what I would call broadly capital conservation programs. People reduced their dividends, sometimes suspended them. People uh, reduced their bonuses and uh, sometimes suspended them. So you've got retained earnings that are being used by the banks because the banks have been profitable to, uh, to rebuild their, their capital, their capital bases. And, um, and I think that's, th that's going along pretty well. And there's a lot of market pressure, obviously, for, uh, for banks to do more. Um, and the regulations have come out that suggest that banks need to raise their, uh, to raise their capital levels pretty dramatically. But those, those regulatory requirements are going to be phased in over a, over a pretty long time, basically, you know, sort of depending on the, the jurisdiction, I'd say four to six years or something like that. Um, and so I, I think we're on a, I think we're on a, on a pretty, uh, on a pretty good road. Great. Is there any need right now, in your opinion, to have lots of equity issuances on the banks to get their capital better? It seems to me that that's not a great, uh, that's neither necessary nor, as a lot of bankers have suggested, a, a terribly good idea. In the, in the current environment, um, equity is a very, very expensive uh, source of, of capital for banks. Um, I think it, it may be the case, depending in some countries, some banks obviously uh, have severe problems and have to find capital quickly. Um, but again, even then, equity issuance, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure that that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. And in terms of bank leverage ratios, you know, we've seen banks with 40 to 1 and greater than that. So um, do you have any comments about sort of bank leverage ratios in general? Yeah, my, my, my sense is that, that, that the leverage ratio, um, it's included in the Basel III revisions of the uh, international standards. It's being described as a sort of backstop for the risk-weighted measures, um, sort of the belt and suspenders kind of way of going about this. But I think in the end, it's what really is going to save you uh, save you um, in, a, in, in a crisis. In the end, there's a big problem that occurs, which is that, you know, we do the best we can to measure risk. 
regulators try to do it, but even more than regulators, the risk management systems in banks try to do it. I mean, it's really their job to, to measure this and try and control. The control units in the banks are, are trying to ensure that the, that the risk-taking behavior is, uh, is within the limits that the bank, the bank has set for itself and its directors have set. Um, but, uh, but in the end, these, things are, these systems are created by people. People uh, are fallible. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult to get it right all the time. And a leverage ratio sits as kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the backstop. It's not the bumpers, but it's like the airbag, you know. It's there if you have a really serious problem. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very big fan of, uh, of leverage ratios. They've been implemented in some countries, the U.S. and Canada, for a long time. Um, the uh, commercial banks... In, uh, in 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 countries that had leverage ratios did much better during the crisis. Um, the, the the banks that did worse uh, in some investment. I mean, the famous cases were were American investment banks, but there was no leverage ratio uh, in uh, for, for them. So um, so I, I think it's a, I think it's really an important element of what we're trying to do, and I, I would like to see more banks um, just impose it on themselves and and have their investors insist. That they keep their leverage uh, their leverage down. Okay, and in, in that last answer, you talked about risk weightings, and so for those uh, people who aren't comfortable with that, could you explain what that means? Yeah, I think the the simple thing is that um, that you believe that banks should hold capital as a uh, in order to absorb losses. You need to be able to absorb bigger losses the bigger the risks are that you take. So uh, the simple, the technicalities of this is you go through the bank's assets, you you say, okay, each one of these assets has a certain riskiness associated with it. That riskiness means that it gets a certain weight. If it's completely 100% risk-free, which I guess I don't think there are many assets out there like that, if any, uh, the risk weight might be zero. Um, But then what you do is you compute the assets by weighting by the riskiness of them. And then the capital regulation says that you have to hold capital relative to your risk-weighted assets. Interesting. So uh, from commercial banks, um, we can talk about central banks and therefore governments. And um, right now, a lot of times when you see economies that are leveraged as much as they are, it's as the result of a large external event, such as a war. And so what happens is that post-war, there's a lot of rebuilding, and therefore growth and and debt repayment can happen. We're not in a situation like that right now. So um, can you give any comments about what's different now? I I think that, um, well, one of the things is, as you said, we've we've run up big debts during uh, during peacetime, especially the debts uh, of governments. Typically, it was the governments that would borrow to fight the wars, and then the governments would repay, uh, would repay their debts. Um, except for the well, I mean, those were the winners. Uh, <laughs> um, losers of wars, they had different problems. I mean, you know, sort of, if you think about the U.S. case of the uh, the, the Confederate debt, didn't ever get repaid. Um, so, uh, but the but the Union debt did. Um, and uh, and the same was true uh, in the same was true in the in, in the world wars where the where the losers that issued bonds and those bonds were uh, were not were not repaid, um, but um, but where we stand today is is that in uh, in many countries I think I would focus my main concerns on the debt that's being issued by the governments 
So it's about fiscal policy, and it's about what I would think of as the trajectory of the debt of the governments in these countries. And it's basically exploding. Um, and uh, it's exploding for, uh, for a number of reasons. Um, one of them, and the main one, is the promises that the governments have made to their aging populations. Uh, these are, in, in, in sort of the, the terms of, of finance, these are contingent liabilities. They're contingent liabilities to people as they age and as they get sick. And so there, there have been promises for pensions and for medical care. And those promises we've known about for a long time. Those are not new. The, it's true that the financial crisis has, has accelerated the problem, but only by you know, three, four, or five years. You can go back to the early 1990s and find, uh, and find studies of the fiscal situation of the large advanced economies, basically Europe, Japan, and the US, and you'll see that the unfunded contingent liabilities were already estimated to be two to four times and sometimes more uh, of GDP in present value terms. And so what we're seeing, uh, what we're seeing now is, um, is the explosion of that. You've seen it uh, happen first in Japan, where debt to GDP exceeds 200, uh, 200%. Um, but with an aging population, you've got both the promises that you have to pay go up, the medical care of the elderly is more expensive, and you've got fewer and fewer people working. And so something, something's got to give. Something's got to give. And this is one of those things where the sooner you fix the problem, the easier it's going to be. Uh, but we're already to, to the point now where I think in many countries, um, it's, uh, I think uh, it's a big, big concern. And you've done some work on this in terms of uh, debt to GDP ratios. And so you've sort of recognized a point at which growth is extraordinarily hard to come by. Right, and, and I think that that really makes, you know, that, that sort of like adds insult to injury, if you will, in this particular case, because you've already got a problem. And then what you discover is, is your debt to GDP ratio rises uh, above 80 or 90 percent, um, which is where it, it's already above that in a lot of industrial countries, and it's certainly reaching that point uh, for those where it hasn't gotten there yet. Um, if you look at it starts to become a drag on growth. So here you have this problem, you've got an aging population, so you've got expenditures for the government rising. You've got fewer and fewer people working, so even other things equal, you've got tax revenue declining. But now you've got growth declining as well, which is just gonna hurt you on the revenue side even more. So um, that's, again, one of the reasons why the faster you take care of these problems, uh, the easier it's going to be. But that said, it's still not easy. Well, it sounds like there are a lot of challenges. And uh, thank you for joining us today. It's been great. And uh, thank you for watching. And for more webcasts like this one, please visit cfainstitute.org. Copyright 2012 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.